Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. Services acquisitions make up approximately 50% of the Air Force spend. A significant amount of that spend is for specialized services outside of Weapon Systems Program Offices that are overseen by the Program Executive Office Combat and Mission Support. These services range from support of test operations, design and engineering, and technical data, to support of facility services of our bases, and emergency services to forward deployed locations. Ms. Nancy Andrews is the Program Executive Officer of Combat and Mission Support and is also the Senior Services Manager for Services. In this episode, she talks about some of the biggest challenges in services acquisition and what goals and initiatives her team has to tackle those challenges. She also gives perspective as a former contracting professional working in a program manager role. Welcome, Ms. Nancy Andrews, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited for the workforce to hear this conversation. Um, as a person that has worked mostly in the major weapon systems offices, service and supply contracts, the past year I've, I've had the opportunity to work with headquarters, Air Force Materiel Command, and the services division, which I've been able to work closely with your office and the, and the um, service acquisition folks that work the non-weapon system PEO services. So it's kind of been a learning experience for me as well. So I'm excited for the folks to hear um, your perspective. Uh, so, so first, can you just share with the folks listening an understanding of your current role as the Senior Services Manager for Services Acquisition and the Air Force Program Executive Officer for Combat and Mission Support? As a Senior Service Manager, I have the opportunity to provide the workforce the tools to assist them in doing their service acquisition efforts. So we're publishing our AFI 63-138 right now, which provides guidance, definitions, and delegations for our service acquisitions. We're providing the tools and the processes on how to get there to assist our professionals in doing their jobs. Um, the other part of my job, which is the, you know, the part that I'm most excited about, is being a program executive officer for combat mission support. So what does that mean? That means I get to still work on acquisition strategies and help the field in meeting their mission requirements by having the authorities to make decisions and move forward on our mission capabilities for the future. So it's a great opportunity um, to be serving as both the ser senior service manager as well as APEO for combat and mission support for our Air Force. So what makes your team at Program Executive Office Combat and Mission Support unique? And how does the field connect to your team? Our position having the PEO um, for Combat Mission Support is different from our sister services in the fact that we fall under the AQ um, authorities for acquisition. So I fall under Dr. Oprah and Ms. Costello, not as a contracting professional, but as an acquisition program manager. So in that role, I still get to have the opportunity to make decisions on major programs in the execution phase. And I see the bigger perspective of acquisition instead of the stovepiped um, contracting functional area. Mm -hmm. I get to oversee the whole thing. So that makes us unique. Um, the other part about my job that's unique is I don't own the resources that 
does the work. Mm -hmm. So that's coming through the MAGCOMs or the FOAs or the DRUs. They provide the, the resources to do the work. I just provide the top level guidance and authorities. And then what do you see as some of the biggest challenges um, in services acquisition? So I would say there's two challenges that I'm focused on. There, there's many more, but the two I focus on is one, having the right people in the workforce to do the job. We've got a lot of contracted efforts out there in the services arena, and we don't always have those multifunctional team members that are doing it, especially in some of our more operational mission areas. So we have contracting professionals that try to cover the realm of the acquisition process, but in reality, we need to provide them more help with resources on that multifunctional flavor whether it's the requirements owners or program managers, having engineers, so on and so forth to help put those right strategies together because it's my belief that a multifunctional team is much more productive and to have a program manager managing the cost schedule and performance of those programs. Right, and you're getting input from all the subject matter experts that have those backgrounds can provide that perspective on those teams. Right. We get that experience and expertise from many different folks that are participating in the MFT, so it's not a single source of ideas, but it's a team, a team sport. Right. And the other challenge I find is services are seemingly fungible when we talk about budgets. So every time there's a budget cut, they think, how can we cut services to put it back into the weapon systems? Mm -hmm. And because we need to focus on the national defense strategy, so the belief is the national defense strategy is supported only by those weapon systems. But in reality, without your services to support, maintain, and keep the, you know, keep the um, pilots and maintainers and everybody else trained and equipped to do their jobs, you aren't going to have readiness or lethality. So the weapon systems can't be managed in, in a vacuum. You have to have the total site picture and services efforts are meaningful and shouldn't be cut um, without some good review and expectations of what those cuts may mean to the readiness and lethality postures. Right, and, and we're recording at the services acquisition seminar that your office puts on down here in Orlando. And I know on the, one of the charts today, was brought up that um, you know 50% of our spend is, in the Air Force approximately is on services. Yes, so we've been around 50% for the last several years and as we've heard Dr. Roper talk today and other senior leaders is we're gonna be procuring more capabilities in the future so our service spend may increase more. Now it doesn't mean that their portfolios will necessarily fall under combat mission support. They may still fall under the weapon systems, but they are gonna be considered services and we're gonna get away from buying the hardware and we're gonna focus more on the capabilities, especially when you talk about the cyber threats and how we're reacting to those with the software builds and that they're really not an end product. Um, um, but they're a ongoing system that we keep updating and more of a capability. Right. So what are your goals and initiatives to help the acquisition workforce address the challenges that you talked about? So first and foremost, I meet with all my service advocates across the Air Force and I talk to them about the importance of having that qualified workforce to work the acquisition strategies for their mission sets. So I, I relate to the pilots, um, a lot of these commanders, I'll tell them, hey, you wouldn't put a non-rated pilot in the cockpit, why would you do the same 
by not having trained and equipped workforce doing your acquisition strategies. So that's been a major focus that we've had the MAGCOMs recognize the need to have those acquisition teams, those multifunctional teams, starting out with, you know, making sure they have the contracting and program management functions and then the other, the other um, functionals, but as well as making sure they have the training to do their job and so that they're equipped to do their job. And so one of the important initiatives we worked on a year ago was to get um, Ms. Costello to sign out that even though you're not working in a program office, but you're doing program management functions, you can still be certifiable um, and acquisition coded in those positions. What that important part of that is not just to get your certification, but that you get the ability to go to training. Right. You know, you don't have to be that, you know, on the bottom of the DAU list. You're right. actually going to be put on the DAU list to get the training. But the problem with that, as I talked earlier today, was DAU training isn't necessarily relevant for everything we buy across right. the Air Force. We tend to focus in on the one ACAT 1D programs, but we've got to start focusing in on the business systems, IT services, um, right. to include operational. We've got to get our, train, our folks trained and equipped to do their job, no matter what acquisition they're working on within the Air Force. So what does the future of services look like from a DC strategic perspective? Well, I would say that goes back to how we're changing our dynamics of what we're buying. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna start calling things in the future is my belief. Uh, we'll be calling those services and buying those capabilities versus buying the hardware. So from a DC perspective, I believe, we heard Dr. Roper again say today that it's about buying that technology and it's about buying it quicker and you know do, being more agile um, moving with speed and discipline right um, we're not out there procuring those 15-year systems but we're buying those capabilities that are early and that we can keep changing and maturing as they change and we're not necessarily as an air force going to develop those systems but we're going to look and see what's out there commercially as well and figure out how to build that industrial base um, because it's not very big in areas. And, and maybe the, the people that are in the industrial base today aren't the ones we need in the future based on what our technologies are and where our vulnerabilities are for our national defense. Right. So although you are in a program executive officer role now, much of your career has been built as a contracting professional. Can you talk about how having a background in contracting has helped you in your role as a program executive officer? Oh, definitely. So to have a strong acquisition background is important. So no matter what functional area in acquisition I grew up in, and I just happened to be a contracting professional, which I love. I was there for 27 years. Mm -hmm. um, but it's good to have that foundation. So it's really helped me from my strategic perspective of being a PEO for combat and mission support across Air Force to understand that there's different ways to acquire systems and services. Mm -hmm. And I have a breadth of experience from different commands and different positions. And I have resources of people I've met across the Air Force who you can call to get advice and help out with. So I find that it's really helped set me up for success in this job to be able to see the big picture and not focus necessarily in do I have the depth of that experience because I've got that. So the, the biggest part of my role and the challenging part of your role is being strategic and not just thinking about what we need to buy today, but what we need for the future. Right. Well, it sounds like much like we do as contracting officers when we have to reach out to different people if we don't know all the answers or we have to reach out to our multifunctional teams, yeah. you do that as well in your leadership position now and the network that you've built. 
So. Oh, definitely, yes. We're a small Air Force family. Yes. <laughs> what have you learned in this program management role that you wish you would have known when you were a working contracting officer out in the field? Yeah, so this is kind of an easy one for me, and it's unfortunate, but throughout my career doing mostly systems and then going into the sustainment field for about five years, I, I, it's all been about the big products, right? About the big weapon systems, not only the, the development, initial early on development, but then the sustainment of those systems. What I wish I would have had a better background on is the operational piece of our mission, which is very key and critical, and had that appreciation for how important and key our operational services are to the lethality and readiness of our workforce. In, in our national defense strategy. So I did not have that appreciation back then, but I certainly do now. And you know, when we talked about how we procure services and, and people get frustrated, well, I don't wanna work services because that's not sexy, mm -hmm. but it is. It's on the forefront of where we need to be with our readiness and, and, and protecting that warfighter. So it's a misnomer and I have gained an appreciation for that since being in this job that I hope that I can share that that experience with folks a little earlier in their career. So with that said, what is your favorite part about your job and what is the most difficult? So the favorite part of my job is going out to our annual execution reviews and actually get to meet the smart folks that are working the programs day to day that are doing some Herculean efforts to make the mission happen and keep everything going. And, and I will have to put a kudo out to the contracting professionals because so often we find that they're carrying the whole load of the multifunctional team because there is no multifunctional team. So they know that there's a mission to accomplish and they have to get the work done and they're doing it. But what makes me really happy is when we get the service advocates to recognize the need to have these acquisition teams and that they're specifically repurposing their positions to make sure they're, they've got the right people and the right workforce to, to complete their mission. So the people part is the amazing part and just learning from everybody and being able to share that across the Air Force makes it an amazing opportunity for me and my staff to be able to do that um, priceless. Awesome. And so what do you find is the most difficult? The most difficult is knowing that there's so much mission out there and not enough people to do it and not enough money to accomplish the mission and, and worrying that we're not going to get things accomplished in time to protect that 18-year-old airman that I talked about earlier today. Is, is It's all about protecting the warfighter and giving them the tools and the means to to protect themselves and to protect our nation. And that's first and foremost what our jobs are. And when you see limited amount of people to do those jobs and limited amount of resources, it's just, it's hard. Because right. you know there's there's processes and there's rules and there are limitations. And it's just, it's just hard to, to see that and think, are we putting somebody in harm's way because we're not accomplishing what we need to accomplish. You used to sit on contracting development teams and now you sit on program management development teams. What is your advice for the contracting workforce, particularly for the junior workforce upon their future aspirations? I love this one. What I tell every, every new junior person coming into the workforce is take care of your career. First and foremost, you're your best advocate for where you wanna be in the future and how you get there, but never chase the, the promotions and the grades learn your skill, learn your tradecraft. If I could provide any advice, 
get that technical depth and the rest will come. The leadership is tough and you don't want to be second guessing your leadership abilities because you don't understand your technical um, capabilities of your functional area. So first and foremost, learn your job, take care of yourself, and then I always say you've got to have goals. If you don't have goals, how do you know when you're achieving what you want to achieve in life? And everybody has different goals. And I like to tell specifically my civilians this, because it's a little different with the active duty. But with civilians, I tell them, you can take those strategic pauses at different times in your career if you need to balance family and other things. But I said, but then when you get back on track, remember, if once you've got your technical depth, get your breath and keep yourself educated because the day we quit learning, no matter if it's formal training or informal training, we come in, become ineffective. That's good advice. And then finally, what motivates you in life and in your leadership? A lot of things motivate me in life. First and foremost, it's been being part of this Air Force family for almost 30 years now. I've been part of the acquisition community and being able to move around the country and have the opportunities for the great jobs, the great people I've got to meet and work with, as well as the educational opportunities the Air Force has given me has been very humbling. And to be in the position I'm in today, um, I talked to another fellow senior executive in the contracting workforce and we both talked about how humbling it is to be from a small town and to be where we are today and feel like we have an ability to influence. Because we know it's not about us, it's the positions and what those positions bring but we're so thankful and humble to be in those positions. So part of what keeps me going as a person to get excited about coming to work every day is feeling like I make a difference. Mm -hmm. And you know, and there's the balance of my, my life at home with my fiance and my puppy and my family. Mm -hmm. it's, all about, it's all about that and the balance. Awesome, well thank you so much for sharing your perspective today and we appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. And anytime I get an opportunity to talk about service acquisitions and the exciting stuff we're doing, um, I appreciate that opportunity. Thank you. For additional resources to Teams Working Services Acquisitions, check out PEO Combat and Mission Support's MFT Resources Guide site, which aims to provide a comprehensive source of services acquisition, instruction, strategies, lessons learned, and training to aid multifunctional teams and planning, acquiring, and managing mission essential services for the United States Air Force. Also, the Air Force Institute of Technology rolled out a professional services acquisition workshop in 2019 to help teams write clearly defined requirements traceable to the Quality Assurance Surveillance Plan, create measurable performance objectives, and write effective performance service summaries. Check out the show notes for links to the internal MFT resources guide site and to register for the WKS 0670 Professional Services Acquisition Workshop at Air Force Institute of Technology. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience Podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.